Thanks for joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. to uh, just open in prayer again. Thanks, Doug. That, that um, work is worship. It's for, it's for everybody um, who, uh, it's for everybody. So, uh, it, the doors open at 7.30, no, there's 7, right? Seven. 7, doors open at 7, and we have a light lunch, a coffee will be ready, get you caffeinated and into gear, and uh, come with, uh, yeah, grab some people from your work, and uh, it'll be, these are like top notch speakers, we're just part of the simulcast, but it'll be very good to be part of. I'm going to pray. Father, we just are so grateful, um, Lord, that you can give us fresh perspective this morning from your word. Lord, I thank you that uh, light has come and darkness doesn't have a chance. So we just declare your light has come. We're people of light, Father. We're filled with light, and I thank you that you're filling us, Lord, fresh today with your supernatural presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, well... Well, we've been away for a few, uh, just for a week. We had a little bit of time away um, at a conference in uh, the Americas. Well, actually, two weekends ago, we planted 21 churches in Iraq on one weekend. I didn't tell anybody that. That's phenomenal. <clears throat> we now have uh, the, goal, the, the, the goal for C3 was 1,000 churches by 2020. We are at, I think, 532 right now. So we've got three more years, another 469. So if anybody... Has some spare time. <clears throat> Got some churches to plant around the world. Um, I was, it was really, really good for Kelly and I. A few days there, had uh, Emma and Tyler, a little time with Emma and Tyler, Katie Mark, and um, a bunch of the America's pastors. And uh, <clears throat> it was really great. Pastor Phil, and um, I got to meet his friend Brian Houston, if anybody's heard of a little church going on called Hillsong. Got to meet him. <clears throat> It was a, in, in um, Kelly's not really keen on, on green rooms. I, I, I love them. I like the little, the special treats and stuff. And I like meeting people. And uh, so anyway, me and Brian had a, a, a great little visit. And uh, right after his session, I was sitting right in the front row here. So they were here, the, like the real VIPs were here and we were there. And he finished, he did three sessions <clears throat> back to back and then he was leaving. And as he was walking out, um, you know, I was standing there, and we were just singing, you know, and he reached out to shake my hand, and I wasn't, you know, didn't think we were all friends, really, <clears throat> and so I wasn't really thinking of that, you know, and as he's going by, I, I kind of, and then, I, and then he put his hand down, and I put my hand out, and I grabbed him right in the armpit, <laughs> your pastor, and so I went back to worship, of course, and then I'm like, wait, that's, <laughs> me and Brian, we're pretty close now, <clears throat> old, old buddy, buddy Brian, <clears throat> Anyway, phenomenal, phenomenal church, Hillsong, and they just won a Grammy and, uh, three weeks ago, and he said, you know, we never start out to um, win Grammys or plant a global church. We just had a word from the Lord, and we are following that word. And it's really, really encouraging to hear uh, a man who has fought through all kinds of stuff, and he shared a story, and really encouraging. And of course, just being together, uh, it was really great. We had to spend the night with uh, Tiff and Jer in Nanaimo. <clears throat> And, and then we launched C3 Victoria. That's going on. So that was quite a bit of fun. And we had the chaplain from the legislature come and bless the um, Jeremy and Tiffany. Or sorry, uh, Phil and Linda, Beth. Wow. And uh, I thought that was great. And so, so anyway, we had a little, and we had, and you guys had a panel. And I heard the panel was awesome. That's what I heard. And really great. So anyway, and the podcasts are all up. Thank you for those that reminded us that they weren't. Um, podcasts are up and up and r- ripping again, and so that's lots of that's lots of fun. And uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. I got a super practical word that um, we um, we used to say, you know, practice what you preach. I I tend to preach what I practice, <clears throat> at least I try to. And this is a hard one, <clears throat> but I found <clears throat> I found it one of the most one one of the best things for me is learning uh, about how to maintain relationships. Uh, because the quality of our life is largely determined by the quality of our relationships. If our relationships are out of order, our life is probably out of order. And uh, I personally believe that every truth that the Lord gives us or shares with us 
is untrue until it's tested in the context of relationships. So, uh, you know, do with that what you want, but I think that, that, that relationships are intended to heal us, and I know that they really do wound us, and relational pain is some of the sharpest, harshest stuff to get through and to get over, and aren't you glad that Jesus gave us some incredible tools on how to deal with relational pain, and uh, this morning I have a kind of a, a practical little thing I hope will help, um, help you all, and... Um, we are, uh, <clears throat> I'm, just, um, I'm just thinking, you're probably there in John chapter 15. I was thinking about um, Proverbs chapter 8, <clears throat> how listen as wisdom calls out, hear as understanding raises her voice. I love that. It's like, it's like you can't turn wisdom or understanding off because it's yelling at you. And wisdom to me is the practical application of the word of God. It's all just theory until you can get it working. And if it doesn't work, so I have some things I do to make the word work. I try to share them with you. Some disagree, which is beautiful. You should. I mean, but you should have, you know, how's it working for you? And then once we learn what's working for us, we need to share them with others. That's the idea. And so, um, so we do that, and I, I find that um, how critical it is to stay connected to each other because God functions in the context of relationship. In fact, God is relationship. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is. He functions as a community. <clears throat> and so we need to learn um, to do the same thing. So anyway, so we've, been, so we've been away for a little bit. We've been having a lot of fun and uh, kind of, but traveling five, five take- takeoffs and landings in seven days. It was actually a little, it's quite a bit. And what I do, I tend to do when, when we take off down the runway, I always grab my wife's uh, hand and squeeze it. So if she's not beside me and I do that anyway, <laughs> it's not very good. But uh, anyway, she's got, she's got nice, solid thighs. I don't go to the gym that much, but I do have a, I do have a favorite exercise, and it's between, it, it's when you take a, you know what a lunge is? A lunge and a crunch? Yeah, I put those together. It's lunch. That's my, <clears throat> that's my favorite <laughs> exercise ever. So when we're, when we're traveling, she goes to the gym, and I go for lunch. That's how it works. All right, Matthew, or sorry, uh, John chapter 15, great little secret here. In these first five verses, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Uh, if there's a true, that means there can be a false. So he's a true vine. <clears throat> I love this metaphor. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they'll produce even more fruit. Your, Pastor Phil's definition of success as a Christian is fruitfulness. I would agree. So how are we going to be fruitful? Here's how we're going to be fruitful, by remaining connected to the vine. And what, the way that we keep connected to the vine is being, staying connected to one another. Because when God connects us to the vine, he connects us to people. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness. How does pruning work? You've already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message or by the word. How, do, how does he prune us? If we're in the word and we allow the word to prune us, it will prune us for fruitfulness. You know you can read the word and just disobey it though, right? Yeah. We know that. Right. But we're meant, to, we're meant to allow it to have a place in us. You're, you're already pruned because of, because of the word. Remain in me and I will remain in you. There's always our part. For a branch can't produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. <clears throat> and you cannot produce fruit apart from me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I am absolutely humbled by the idea that God uses people to fulfill his mandate on the earth. That's a very humbling thing. When he says in Psalm 127, I'll build my church, how does he do that? He actually doesn't do that alone. He, he requires agreement from people. He does that through people. When he says, I'll build my church, did you know that we can build the church too? Think we are? We can like, but there has to come some humility where we eventually say, Lord, I'm not sure what to do. What do, what do we do now? <clears throat> when he was taking Joshua in to take the land of Canaan, he said, the land, I've given you that land. Now go fight for it. Well, have you given it or do we have to fight for it? Yeah, the answer is yes. It's just, it's just a humbling thought. When he, <clears throat> John chapter 11, when he raises Lazarus from the dead, <clears throat> that, about, about verse 3, where you, I don't even know how these, this phrase could go together. The one you loved is sick. 
I was I, that that I read that last year, and I and I just said, Lord, the one you love is sick, and sometimes we misunderstand how that we think that if we're going through a sickness, that somehow it means we're unloved or something. It's never the case. And then, of course, he doesn't show up on time. Bad Jesus. Didn't show up. Naughty Jesus. He didn't show up on time, and she's kind of, you know, going after him a bit. Martha there. <clears throat> uh, sorry, Mary. And sometimes we think that if he doesn't act on our timetable, he must not love us. Not true. And, and, and then he raises Lazarus from the dead, and he says, he, he shouts out, move the stone. And you go, hey, this is your miracle. Why do we need to move the stone? You got, so, what, so Laz, <clears throat> he's inside. He's trying, right? He's inside free. Like he's, he's, but, <clears throat> but he needs somebody <clears throat> to move the stone. Now, how crazy is that? We said, let's wait. You raise him from the dead and you can't move the stone. What? And then he says this. He said, could I get somebody? Is anybody available? Could you, un, could you loose him? Could someone loose him? Let him go? The brother's all tied up. Well, Jesus, you raised him from the dead. You do that. You do that. No, no, he uses us. What a humbling idea. He uses Denver's and Larry's and Tim's. He uses, pe he uses people. And when someone says uh, church is a safe place, I said, think again. It's full of people. They're dangerous. And you get close to them, they'll hurt you. Your relational pain is not caused by Satan. I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet that anybody that's been hurt has not been hurt by Satan. You've been hurt by carnal Christians, fleshly Christians. You allowed them close to you, and instead of following the Scripture and keeping and maintaining connections and loving and praying and blessing, instead we've let that down and we've hurt other people. We've all been hurt. Um, <clears throat> welcome to the world. It's not going to be your last little rodeo on getting bucked off. So, so get back on a ride. I'm saying all that. Uh, I don't know why I'm saying all that. It's, it's by way of introduction. That's why I'm saying that. Um, point number one is that we were designed for we. That, 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 and, and I'm told... Um, the statistics on marriage is to get from a me to a we takes seven to nine years. To learn to live less selfish, less egocentric takes approximately nine years. And I, oh my gosh, that's a long time. Well, what happens up in those first seven years, largely that's when the most divorce takes place because you haven't learned that you're no longer a me, you're a we. That's a, that's a, that's a big journey from me to we because I'm quite fond of myself. And the idea of, of giving up my life is not, it's not a cheery thought for me. I kind of like myself. And so learning to let go of your agenda and laying down your life, very counterintuitive. We are designed for, for, for we. I've discovered that you can't tickle yourself. Try it. You need someone else that, what? did you know that, Kelly? You can't, you can't. But when someone else grabs you there, you go, what? We're meant to, yeah, and go ahead, squeeze someone's leg. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> Jesus was a master at relationships. Do you agree that we're social, emotionally, relational beings? That's who we are. People have been, I met people who have been through two and three, three you know, marriages, and they said, we'd like to get married again. I said, are you out of your mind? Really? Why do you want to do that and inflict more pain on yourself? If you haven't learned from those first couple that it takes, it takes a bit of, of, you know, work. Jesus was amazing. Um, and, and we're social beings, emotional beings. Uh, these are some of the most important things in life, our relationships. And so learning, learning to not just have casual acquaintances, but meaningful, memorable encounters with other, other human beings is one of the purposes of life. And, and if you've got a close friend or someone who actually, you know, you have a close, intimate relationship with, you realize the, the there's a cost of dropping your guard and allowing someone else into your life. Um, but it's, it's, the reward is that intimacy has its own rewards, but 
in, uh, loneliness is not the result of n n not, being, no, not people, but about, the in, about intimacy, but someone being close and being known. And um, so, which concerns me about our viral world where we can do all things, so many things vi viral, virtually. The virtual world, that's what I meant. Did I say bi viral world? Well, it's viral too. But, but it's but virtual, right? And so, and, and when people say, you know, I, I said, oh, you know, how's church going? He said, oh, we quit going. We just watch it on TV now. And I said, well, that'll never work. Like, what are you talking about? You, gotta, you need people. <laughs> It'll never work. Oh, yeah, you'll get an instruction, but you'll never grow. You can get way better teaching online than, than this morning. But when you get together with some other people and you realize, oh, they smell and they, yeah. I said, yeah, 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 that's the point. Get over yourself. This is, how, this is what we're meant to do. This is, this is, this is church, right? And, and same with armchair adventurers. You go and watch it on the, you go watch a movie. No, no, roll up your sleeves, get your own hiking boots and get some wind in your face and, right, climb your own, be your own Indiana Jones. Come on. That should be a t-shirt. Hashtag that. Be your own Indiana Jones. Um, because relationships seem to be the only eternal things that are on earth, we need to steward them and steward them well. Here's my point. We're designed for we, but um, our ability to see through others' eyes is a great skill to learn. Uh, seeing through others' eyes. Um, one of the, so, so seeing from a fresh perspective, you'll find that 99% of your relational pain can be eliminated if you're willing to take, take a fresh look with a fresh perspective, which was one of the primary purposes that Christ came to the earth. In Luke chapter 4, he states his mission statement is to open blind eyes, to restore sight. And I'm, you, you're just wondering, well, that doesn't even apply to me. No, it, it completely applies to you. He said those who think they can see are truly the blind ones. He's not referring to physical blindness specifically, even though he did open blind eyes physically. The invitation is to open your eyes spiritually, have a fresh perspective, and be able to see through somebody else's from another perspective. You can do that in Christ. This is an amazing thing. Seeing from a fresh perspective, I think this is a very big deal. We don't, and here's the reason is because we don't see things the way that they are. You just see, see things the way they are. You don't see things the way they really are. You just see things the way they are to you. But did you know that there's other ways of looking at things? That's why we need other people. That's why I like Jeff in my life. He's got, oh, he sees like, oh, he's got 360-degree vision. He's awesome. We need other people in our life to get fresh perspectives. You, you heard what I'm saying? We need, but, and so, so you don't see things the way they are. You see things, things the way you are. And your world is very self-centered. To be self-centered means that self is at the center. Who would have known? One of the reasons Jesus came is to get, get us off ourselves. Two of the things that mess with our perspective and our discernment, more than other things, is judgments and offenses. Judgments and offenses. Offenses create offense. That's what they do. And, 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 and an offense is an event, but being offended is a decision. We take offenses. Here's what I'm saying. If, if an offense is offered, don't take it. Because <laughs> it'll blind your perspective. You don't know what's going on in that other person's world. You don't know why they did what they did. Think about that. You don't even know why you did what you did. I don't. Rarely do I. There's a good chance you don't neither. My, my, my wife and I are great. Uh, they were great, great partners to drive together. <clears throat> and sometimes she, she's got a lower tolerance for accidents than me. And so sometimes she thinks she knows why I pulled out so quick. She doesn't know. I don't even know why I did. I... But she thinks I'm trying to hurt her. I'm not trying to hurt, never would I ever do that. And I need her because I'm a better driver, but <laughs> she's got an incredible sense of direction, and I get lost. And she asked me once, what, what do you do when you get lost? I said, well, I speed up. <laughs> we ha I need her. She's a good driver, and she knows direction. Uh, there's only been a, a couple of times in the last little while that she's lost direction. I, we're, we're a great um, pair. But, but she doesn't know why I drive the way I do. I know who butters my toast. Maybe no sugar tonight in my coffee. But, but what happens, 
What happens here is we don't know why people do things. When we presume that we know why people do what other people do, that's a judgment. When we think we know the reason why they did what they did, the people do other stuff. They do it for their own reasons, not yours or what you think. When we think we know why they did what they did, we actually become like God. And it says that when you eat off that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I know what's right and I know what's wrong. That leads to death, relational death. But we're invited to eat from the tree of life, which is Christ. And when we're in Christ, we're able to see through his eyes. When I get outside of Christ, I only see through these eyes. That's dangerous. We need fresh perspective. We need Jesus to restore our sight. And this morning, if you're willing, if you're dealing with a relational issue and you're feeling some relational pain, the cure for relational pain is to have your sight restored so you can have a fresh perspective. And we need fresh perspectives. Uh, this is a big idea. Uh, point number two, Matthew chapter 7. And I think it's one of the most misunderstood um, uh, scriptures in, in the Bible where it says, stop judging others and you will not be judged. Here's how we read that in our mind. Stop judging others and God won't judge you. I need to tell you right now, my perspective is he's not judging us at all. Judgment was poured out on his son Christ. He's no longer judging people. He's not judging the world. He's not judging... He's not judging our prime minister. His, all of his judgment was poured out. And we need to understand that now what we get to be part of, he's, when, when the angel says peace on earth, goodwill towards men, there's no peace, it wasn't peace on the earth among men and women. That's for you and I to enforce. The peace is between God and men now because of Christ. So it says that when, if you, we should stop judging others because others will judge you, not God. And I know we misunderstand that very often. Stop judging others, you won't be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. The parallel passage is Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 28. It says we get, he shows us how we get locked in cycles of relational pain. And when we do, it says, <clears throat> excuse me, it says that they actually doesn't come back uh, equivalent to how you judged others, but it comes back pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You mean it doesn't count? It's not one for one? No, 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 no. You just sow a, you just sow a little bit, and then you get back a harvest. That's a big deal. He goes on later to say how that whatever measure you use in judging others, it'll be used to judge, to judge you. Who does the judging? People do. And, and then, and then um, he says, you know, why, why are you worried about that speck in your... Okay, let me just... I'm going to get that in a second. It's hard to believe, but I found it true. When I believe, when I believe somebody has just rejected me, you know how I start to feel? Rejected. They didn't reject me, likely. They were just... I know, I, this happened to me one day. Someone... I said, I'm, I'm really sorry that um, I felt you were the most impersonal pastor ever because you walked right past me. I said, I was getting to the bathroom. You didn't realize. I'd been waiting. I'd been talking to five other people. I was being really friendly to them. I'm sorry I went past you, but are you kidding? You don't know why I walked past you. I know why I walked past you. But when you judge, what happens is now it comes back, and here's what it does, is it blinds us. It distorts our perspective of other people. You have an enemy. And he, he is, his, his, you are in his crosshairs. And he wants to destroy you. That's what he wants to do. That's his plan. What is his strategy? To divide you from those who hold your destiny. He's trying to separate you. Divide and conquer. And you know what his tactic is? Offenses and judgments. Because he knows this. When a home is divided, it falls. Here's how you stop relational problems. You stop fighting. How am I, you know what Jesus, when he said love your enemy, here's what, here's what, essentially what he said, when someone tries to be your enemy, don't let them. Someone emailed me the other day and they said, you know, you and I are enemies. I said, no, 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 I love you. I mean, it took a bit of time, but guess I read the rest of the email. I'm not going to let you be an enemy. I'm just going to love you. So therefore you're not an enemy. So <clears throat> if the source of pain was events and circumstances in our life, we would not have control. But we do. Let me be clear. You're in control. Yeah, God's in charge, but you're in control. It's called free will. Worse yet, if the source of pain was events and circumstances, worse yet, we, could, we would believe that God, 
that God brought them, and we know why he brought them, because he doesn't like me. What's just happened? You now have a distorted view of God because you've judged him on why he did what you think he was to do. Your, your situation, I'm, I'm willing to bet neither, neither Satan or Jesus was involved in that. The, your, the one that caused you the most problems is you. So, um, when we, nothing outside of you has power until you attach importance to it. I have no problem, really, I have no problem or relational issues with people I don't know. It's amazing, huh? It's just awesome. But once you start getting close to people, you realize, hey, opinions, like socks, we all have them, they just smell different. We don't know why people do what people do. Judgments blind us, and then they bind us. Um, and it comes back. I pressed on shaking together, running over. Jesus gives the best relational advice ever in verse 31, where he says this. And you all know this. Do unto others as you have them do unto you. How do you want to be done to? Do you, do, do you want people like to give you the benefit of the doubt? Let me just go out on the limb. I, I, re, I really need to. Like Brian, you know, and the armpit thing. He needs to understand. I gladly would have shaken his hand. I just wasn't expecting it. And all of a sudden, it's... I want people to give me the benefit of the doubt. Uh-huh. Newsflash. Well, why don't you do that? Yeah. Intuitively. Why don't we just do that intuitively? I think, I think that that's actually a great idea. How would I like my wife to treat me? I tell a young married couple to do this. Get a sheet of white paper and write down, how do you want to be treated as a spouse? I said, get at least 30 on the page. I said, okay, good, there's your assignment for the next 50 years. Go do that. She said, well, you don't know. I said, no, 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 you didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's not, I know you woke up with Leah, I know. <laughs> Went to bed with Rachel, woke up with Leah, I know. We all do. <laughs> uh, except me. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> except, completely except me. <laughs> Met, married, my Rachel. Disciples, as followers of Jesus, as, as followers of Jesus, the same news, weather, and sports happen to all of us as it does to everybody else. You're not special. I mean, you're special, like a snowflake, and you're just, yeah. but same rain happens on, <laughs> an, uh, you know, a heathen and a pagan and a Nazi and whatever else, same rain comes on you. You don't walk around a little dome. You get the same, you get the same weather. But ships don't go down because they're in the waters because water gets in them. Somebody smarter than me said that. I just, I, you just don't let the stuff get inside of you. Kingdom God is like a, someone who finds a treasure, but it's in a field, and he went and bought the whole field. I am a farmer. And you know what fields are made out of? Dirt. You get all the dirt, but you get a little treasure. That's what we do. I was bought and paid for, dirt and all. Um, you, know, you know what happens... Um, when we don't remember things the way they happened, they remember, we remember things the way they made us feel. And then when we rehearse them, the feelings actually, um, we're told that they actually the feelings increase with intensity every time we remember it. Now that's supposed to work for us when we take the word of God and memorize it. So, uh, and, and, and meditate on it and chew it, swallow it, bring it back up like a cow. Right? You have breakfast, then you bring breakfast up at lunch and bring it back up for afternoon tea, and that's what we do. We bring it back up until it becomes part of us. So do you know that your body just does what it's told to do, right? It's dirt, effectively. I mean, there's, there's nine, uh, what is there, nine chemicals. Um, you know, you're mostly, it doesn't matter. Uh, it, 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 yeah, read popular science yourself. It's, but, but, but your body will actually just do what it's told to do. And if all of a sudden it's, it, 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 it your thoughts are saying, you're, you've been traumatized, you've been violated, you've been, you've been, you know what happens? And then it goes into the same state of shock. Cortisol is released into your system. Adrenaline glands. That, that's, I'm trying, it pumps. It, I don't know what it does, but. Right? The, 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 the peptides and the hormones and everything starts rocking because, like, you're just there again. I mean, you guys know how that works, right? Your body's just doing what it's told to do. That's why you're supposed to speak to your body. 
That's what Ezekiel's all about for me. Dry bones. I prophesy to these bones. Because it doesn't know what to do. I've been healed. But you know, sometimes my body goes back into its old thing and thinks it should be doing this, this other thing when I had inflammation and asthma. I'm healed of that. I'm running back from as old as my son's just, I'm running back and my, all of a sudden I get short of air. So lungs, breathe. I mean, the neighbor's little, Mildred, get over. He's talking to himself. Sure, I'm talking to my. I have to talk to myself. Who else is going to talk to? Because your thoughts are that powerful. And you'll now relive an event, and your body will think, oh, I'm in that same trauma. And then you're violated again. Listen, you, you're able to stop a tug of war by dropping the rope. When someone hands you a, 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 a fence, drop the fence. Now, uh, <clears throat> I'm clearing my throat. Jesus went to great lengths to show us about self-control and self-awareness. How that offenders are going to be around us all the time. Um, but, but don't let them get to you. Your response is a critical thing. I'm, I'm really very thankful. Eventually, I've learned. When something happens and I'm feeling either offended, I go, those people... You know, that, never about you and never about my wife, but those people. Just trying to butter on both sides of the toast now. Um, those people, when, as soon as I, as soon as I he, feel that rising up, I go, hey, wait just a minute. What's going on here? Why the trigger? Who pulled the trigger on my emotions there like that? How can somebody in a black Dodge have that much power. It's just a black dodge. How can they have that much influence on me? Oh, 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 it's something in me. Yeah, 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 it's that dirt in you. And so what do we, what, what, here's, here's what we do. He, said, he goes on to explain this brilliantly, and I've over-preached this over the years, and why do you worry about that speck in your friend's eye? Here's why, because we're chronic fixers. We want that speck out of that person's eye. But he says, while you're doing that, he said, all the time you're doing that, why, why are you worrying about that speck in your own eye when you've got a log in your own? How can you ever think of saying, let me help you with that, when you can't get past the, the, the log that's in your own eye? Here's what he's saying. He's saying that when, it's like, it's like some, just, I mean, work with the metaphor a bit. He's saying, that little thing in their eye, yeah, you've got, you've got like a whole forest of them. But yet we'd rather get the little flick out of that other person's eye. We focus on the flick, the, the, not a flick, uh, Speck. You're focused on, has that ever happened to anybody? Never. <laughs> Jesus looked beyond our specks, saw our need. He's the only one that could see straight. And here he's saying this. He said, Who, I, I've been to an optometrist before, you know, and they look in your eyes, and I go, careful, careful, them were my eyes. How would you like someone who was blind, or like, right, looking in your eyes? Where's that speck? It's got, you, know, you don't want that. It's a good metaphor. So, you, so he says, when you're trying to find a speck in the other person's eye, here's how it feels like. Just poke yourself in the eye with your finger. That's how it feels. He said, don't do that. Don't look for the speck. Anybody that's married. Oh, I think I'll just leave that. <laughs> I, I actually told my wife one day, I said, every day I look for something that I love about you. And, and she said, is that hard? I, well, I said, well, no, but, no, you fit, is that an, you're like, why do you have to do that? Don't you just, I do, but I got to be reminded of why I do, why I did, and why I still do. And so I look to think, because, because you know why? Because other things, other little specks will come up, and I'll start to focus on the speck, and I'll forget about what's in my eye. Relationships are mirrors. They'll sh you'll never know how selfish you are until you get into a relationship. And then you find out instantly. You, you put mustard on what? You've got to be joking. Leave the speck. What's with the toilet paper like this? It's supposed to... I actually do that right now secretly. I, I, I do that right now. I say, I wonder how long it'll take her. She's in there. Now, how long will it take? And I'll go back in. It's, it's switched. It's just fun now. Like at first, it'll get you shot. After 35 years, it's all good fun. She does little mean things to me, too. She just doesn't have the microphone. I'm just messing with you, but that's what she does. Um, I'm, I'm amazed at the level of how our judgments 
and how the levels of intensity continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. Same with, the, same with an offense. They just grow and grow and grow. And pretty soon, you're telling yourself, you know, these, those people, I know why they hurt me. Those people, yeah, they're, if I, here's what I found. Uh, it's very rare for me when I mention to somebody how their action affected me. It's very rare that they'd say, and that's how I meant it, Saka. Never, never. They go, what? That, you, you thought, what? I never intended that at all. That wasn't what I was planning to do at all. Like when I did my, did my text about Pastor Phil and my mini anointed leader. I hope nobody, whoever follows me, like never like it when I do. Like tell me because I put in omni anointed and it auto-corrected on me. If I was him reading that because he was on his way to Perth and or Sydney the next day, I go, he would have said, that Lord. And then I, so I tried to get a hold of him and say it's okay, you know, but no, no, no. He's on the plane for 17 hours. I am thinking I'm buggered because as a, as a thing, right, I'm going... It was omni. I meant omni. I meant ever, always. You're super anointed. You're my favorite. You're, well, it's too late. Can't get, can't get back in, in touch with him. If I were him, I would have, but he's bigger than that. So is my wife. That's what's awesome about that. Um, and you know what I find? I find that, the, I find that the, the easiest offended people are Christians. They're the, they're the touchiest. Do you know in one version of 1 Corinthians 13, it says love isn't touchy. Did you know that? It's not touchy. No, I'm touchy. Touchy-feely. But it says you're, that, that, that love doesn't get easily offended. And it's not rude. And it's patient. It sees the flick or the speck. And it goes, that's okay. It'll wash itself out. It's just, honey, honey, honey. It's so good. You get, right? That, that's what, I am just amazed. When the one who had every right to be offended was the one that we say we follow, and he dropped every offense against us. Is it possible to live unoffended? Absolutely. Is it easy? Heck no. But it's possible. I want to live unoffended. The, um, the enemy wants to, he, he, you know, I, I mean, I give you the theology on Satan a couple weeks ago, but, but he is always so subtle. He's always so subtle. And, and, um, and you know, like he came as a snake, and you wonder, like, Lord, why didn't you just, like, go, Right at the beginning. Right? Why wouldn't he just kill them? Well, he, well, <laughs> well, I, that's for another sermon. But he, he's always subtle. And, and it's so subtle, it can be as, as subtle as a word that is said in the wrong tone. Or worse, a word that is not said. I know why they didn't speak to me. It's the power of an unanswered text. It's power. I'm not, I'm not going Or, has anybody ever been offended by just an eyebrow? What the? It doesn't take much. A little something not done. Just a little something. He never took the garbage out again. Like, what's he? He has not all, he doesn't do anything all day. He's been home all day. You never think that. You've never thought that. And no husband has ever thought, doesn't she know how hard I work? Just an eyebrow or an action, an unword said or a word unsaid. Doesn't take much. Very subtle. Last point, we're addicted to fix. Idolatry in the New Testament is not a carved image. It's when we create a false image of God in our heart or mind. It says that actually the image of Christ is veiled. What's that mean? That means that you can, when you, have you ever looked through a veil, you can kind of see an outline, but it's just distorted. But in Christ, that veil can come up. You and I need a fresh revelation of who Christ really is. Um, when we see a God that's different than Jesus presented himself, we're idolaters. And in doing so, we reject the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who was revealed. The, God was revealed. First, or Colossians 1 verse 15, he says that the, 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 um, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You want to know what God's like? Look at Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but he was, you know, well, shut up with that thought. Just like, look at Jesus. And that's how you know what God's like. This is a wonderful thing. We easily become chronic fixers. And, and I, I find it very rare to be around anybody who accepts, accepts me just the way I am. I, I find it sort of rare. Well, they either want something from you or they, you know, or they want to, they know, they want to, you know. They, you know they, but, but, but what happens when we get close to people, we actually, you know, want to fix them 
a little bit. The worst form of rejection is trying to fix somebody. You got permission to fix one person, and that's you. We're meant to love everyone. Yeah, but Pastor Lauren, some are harder than others. Yeah, 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 but they're mirrors. What do you think you like to love? How hard do you think that is? That's the golden question in a marriage. What's it like to be married to me? Or what's it like to be my friend? I even go this far. What's it like to be on staff with me? And I went to the doctor, and he says, the doctor says, are you, are you becoming, because he says my things are out of order and whatever, and he said, are you more irritable? I said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm awesome to get around. I went home and told Kelly. She said, you might want to ask the staff. I said, no, no, I'm great to get along with. Aren't I? It's, it, relationships are mirrors. I found that relationships are like mirrors. So, and not the funny ones from, from the fair. How, how are we going to change the world? We're going to change the world. The same way we get changed, by being unconditionally loved and accepted. That'll change the world. It'll produce an environment for us to respond to the love of God. That's, that's how it'll work. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 says, so watch yourself. If a brother sins, I think that's an interesting little few words put in there. If your brother sins against you, yeah, before, but it says before, when you see that somebody's doing something against you, the first part he says, watch yourself. No, 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 but it's them, it's them, it's them. No, no, he says, watch yourself. Why? Because you'll build a bridge between, sorry, a, a, a fence between your brother and you if you're not careful. It's what, it's, what happens, it's what happens in our heart. We live in a time of touchiness because of social media. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 24, it says this can happen. It'll happen when you're at church. He says in verse 23 of Matthew chapter 5, it says, when you go uh, to the church, you're about to take your gift to the altar. You're in church. You're about to do something in the altar. And my NLT version says, and suddenly you realize you have something against another person. Has that ever happened in church? And you just say, like, get behind me, Satan. That thought's not from you, Jesus, and I cleanse my mind. Well, you ever do under that sort of thing? No, no, the Holy Spirit's trying to remind you is that you, can, you, you can't live in community and have things that are against your brother. He says, leave your gift, keep your gift, keep your gift, and then go get things right with your brother before you did that. If I said, okay, we're going to stop everything, everybody go get all your relationships right, the place would empty out. I know. But we said, we, you know, and so, so this is what it says to do. It's just, it's just hold it. Leave your thing. Go get your relationships right. Okay. Two things in pair of perspectives. You know, if we want our, our sight to be restored, our sight to be restored, we've got to deal with judgments and offenses. We, we never know why people do what they do. In summary, last thought, our pain is our pain. It's our responsibility. It's our stewardship. Uh, Psalm 34 and verse 3. I don't know if you ever thought about this before. Where it says, magnify the Lord. Um, to magnify means make larger. I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but you can't make God any larger than he already is. So how, how do we do that? It actually means to make larger and louder. That's what it means. To magnify the Lord, what do you do? You, uh, you can't make him bigger, but you can make him bigger in your experience with him. And for most of us, we need to, this works. It's called the principle or the law of magnification. What you reflect on becomes bigger. If you're reflecting on that person, that offended you, that person, that person. If you're, here's, what, here's what happens. It says that we become, we'll become like we be, what we behold. And I've met, I, don't, I can tell you how many people I've met, and they're describing their father to me and what a blankety-blank-blank blank he was. And I go, well, look at you. You're, you just turned out to be identical. Why? It's because you wouldn't let go of that thought. And what you think about gets bigger and bigger. It gets, mag- it gets louder. And it gets larger. And so what do we do if you want to, you've got to break those associations. Captivity is a stronghold of belief. It's not demonic power. It's how we think. Oh, it can have power attached to it. But basically, it's demonic power. If we're going to recover our sight, um, we need to have our, have our thoughts renewed. Deliverance comes when we recover our sight. Second Chronicles chapter 10 says, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There are things that are, tra- that are competing for how you see God, your image of God. And until you can see him as good, it says the goodness of God leads to repentance. Repentance means to change the way you think. If you don't think he's good, if you think he's angry, upset, or indifferent, or whatever, you won't change the way you think. You'll hold that image in your mind. Uh, we cast down strongholds and things, and, th- and a stronghold uh, loses power when we recover our sight. 
A stronghold is something that keeps your thinking in a certain pathway. You'll never be liberated until you break the strongholds in your thought process. And the way we break our, our, our thought process down is by getting a fresh revelation, getting fresh sight of what, what's going on in this situation. Ask the Lord for, to show us what's really taking place out there, what's really taking place in here, breaking the judgments, cutting off the offenses, and learning to love unconditionally and accepting unconditionally. It's the way we want to be loved. And I close with this. We don't see things the way that we are. How I see things is, how, is not how they are. But how I see things affect how I experience things. The Bible says that if I follow the shepherd, that he'll lead me beside still waters and green pastures. If you're not being led before beside still waters and green pastures, there's a chance that you're not following the shepherd. He says that when we follow the shepherd, we'll have no need. That's, that's a wonderful thought. Because need and lack leads to all kinds of addictions. So, so if you're here today and you, you're hitting a, you're, you're feeling this emotional, relational pain, be a strained relationship with a brother or sister, somebody that you're in relationship with, God wants to restore your sight so you can see them with his eyes. He wants you to lay down and surrender your opinion, your point of view, because you don't know what's going on in that other person's life. But what it's doing is it's keeping you in bondage. When the Lord opens up a prison door, he requires your cooperation to walk out. This morning, he will open a prison door for you, but it's up to you to walk out because you're the one that's where we get held strong because of our beliefs and our strongholds and our perspectives. And for me, almost hour by hour, I need a fresh perspective and I need to guard my heart against keeping images in there that are ungodly, unhelpful and especially with my sisters and brothers and people, good people that God's placed around me. Would you stand with me, please, as we wrap up today? Father, it's such a great thing to be together. Lord, I thank you that you've put me, an imperfect person, in a room full of a bunch of other imperfect people. And I thank you that we can be accepted and that we're worthy of love because you say it was worth the price of your son. And so I thank you for the body of Christ, the beautiful body of Christ. Thank you for the bride. Thank you for the beautiful congregations that we have and we're responsible for. And I thank you that your love can penetrate every place of darkness, Lord, with this incredible light and love of Jesus Christ. So, Father, I thank you today that we can get fresh perspectives and we can re restore our sight because one of your functions for me is you're continually restoring my sight. And, Father, we want eyes that can see. And for some, you even, you offered the church of Laodicea, ISAV, so you could see. And I ask this morning, Lord, that supernaturally you would apply that to our eyes, that we could see our brothers and sisters, our friends and neighbors, our presidents and prime ministers, and people we come in contact with through your eyes of love and compassion. In the name of Jesus. If you're dealing with a specific relational issue and you need your sight restored, I want you to come to the front very quickly so we can pray for you. Just come on up to the front. I'll invite the team to come. Yep, come on up front. Yep, just come on up here. What the Lord will do is He'll give you, you He'll give you fresh, He'll restore sight. Thank you. Just come up. This this will give you access to a whole new dimension of compassion and love. Beautiful. It gives you a whole new compassion, and it gives you a fresh perspective. Oh, your friends here. Not nice to have actually. Father, what we need is a miracle of restored sight. That's what we need. We, we have admittedly, Lord, we confess for seeing the world through our personal grid and holding on to those perspectives because we think we know why people did what they did. So, Lord, we surrender our judgments this morning on this altar. You said that we could come and have our sight restored. So, Lord, I'm pulling on that passage that you came to restore sight. We've... Father, I, you, you know, you know I, you, you, oh God, the burden that's being lifted this morning is just beautiful. Father, you're lifting the burden of having to run our own world and trust you with a relational strife. Lord, we let go of those things that, and judgments that are held against us and assignments against us and offenses that are held against us, <clears throat> accusations, words that we heard that we rehearse 
today in the powerful name of Jesus. I'm asking for sight to be restored. Lord, that you show us that the world is bigger than just our perspective. Holy Spirit, I thank you for restoring sight in this place. Spirit of God, I thank you for coming right now. Just begin to distribute a few Kleenexes. God, I love these things being broken. In the name of Jesus, Spirit of God, break. Out of captivity, into light, break. Fresh sight, restore sight. Open, open these eyes. Fresh sight, Spirit of God, fresh eyesight. Holy Spirit, let them see from your perspective, Lord. What was done, it wasn't intended to land that way. Now it's just getting stronger and stronger. It's building a fence. We break this in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for strength and courage to walk now in these places. In the name of Jesus, we declare prison doors open. Captivity, out of captivity, out of captivity. Breaking and restoring relationships. Spirit of God, I thank you for restoring sight. You are the one that restores sight. Ho, ho. Jesus, Jesus, show us, Lord. Show us our part in the offense. Show us where we took that offense, Lord, that decision to stay offended. In the name of Jesus, we break the lies. We call forth your incredible presence, Lord, to wash and renew. Restore, Lord, you're the one that restores. Holy Spirit, thank you for breaking out of that prison of self, Lord. Fresh, fresh, fresh oil, Spirit of God, this morning, Lord. You're the one that restores sight, Lord. You're the one that give, grants us once again to see things from a fresh perspective. Lift us up, Lord. Restore sight, Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus, that you came to restore sight, Spirit of God. These things were not that we took this way. They were not meant that way, but we took them that way. They're getting stronger and stronger. But today the strongholds break, the chains come off, the prison doors open up in Jesus' name. We decide to drop that offense, to drop that perspective in the name of Jesus restoring relationships once again. Spirit of God, I thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for opening prison doors. Oh God, I thank you for restoring sight. Restoring sight, Father. Thank you, you are the one that restores sight. Father, washing, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your reign, Lord. That's washing and cleansing and renewing and reviving. Father, I thank you for your presence that reminds us, Lord, of you would never leave us or forsake us, and you're walking with us through valleys that are dark, and you're bringing us into mountaintops, Lord, that are bright. I declare, Lord, your light has come, and darkness must flee, and from this day forward, Lord, we'll walk in new minds, Lord, new hearts, and new vision, because you're the one that came to restore sight. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Through those doors walk men and women with restored sight. Now go and change your world. Amen.